can yeah, grab a seat, sit back and relax. I um I just don't understand people that like camping. Um, I'm sorry if, if that's you, uh, and I don't, I don't dislike you, I just don't understand you. Okay, um, and maybe that's uh, through uh, a little bit of my upbringing. We never went camping when I was a kid, and, uh, and even still to this day, I just don't quite understand people who are willing to pay money to sleep outside where it's cold in the winter and it's hot in the summer, and you have to bring your own gear. Like, I've never understood that. I would much rather pay money for someone to provide everything for me where I can climate control it and I've got like this nice comfy bed, okay? I do not deal well with no sleep. However, um, my wife, uh, Emma, uh, we've been married for about four years and for the first 18 months of our marriage, I had got away without going camping with her because she grew up camping, her family loves camping. And so we kind of avoided this for the first 18 months, I was like, awesome. And then that dreaded day happened when our friends on our Facebook Messenger chat all of a sudden like, you know what would be a great idea? If we all went camping together. And the chat just explodes. Everyone's like, yeah, that'd be great. We should do it over a weekend. It'll be all good. And then people are starting to make itineraries and lists of food supplies. Like, I just didn't know what to do. So after a while, I just did what any millennial male does or any really millennial in general. When the conversation got too crazy in my DMs, I just left it unseen and pretend it wasn't happening. And so we kind of like moved on and then the, the uh, the, day, the end of the day, come, Emma comes home from work and she's so excited and she's like, how excited are you to go camping? I was like, not at all. In fact, I'm not even going camping. I'm, I'm refusing to go camping. It's ridiculous. I'm going to stay at home and you guys can go out and freeze. That's fine by me. And so we ended up having a, a, a healthy conversation about it. And you can see where this is going, Kay. Where I shared my perspective and Emma shared her perspective and we dialogued and we came to a compromise and I went camping with everyone. Okay, and, and I will say that I am a little bit of a convert to camping, okay? I'm not fully fledged uh, convert to camping, but I do enjoy it. And the thing that I, I really began to enjoy while we were camping was, was this thing, is the campfire conversation. I don't know if you've, you've ever, if, for those of you who have been camping, um, but for those of you who haven't, really those campfire conversations, those things that happen at the end of the day, after dinner, everyone's relaxing and the embers are just starting to glow in the fire and you're looking up at the stars and you kind of hear those sounds of nature and everyone kind of lets out that sigh. And then those big questions in life just start to all of a sudden surface. For, the, for some of you, you don't, you don't actually, uh, you've had campfire conversations and you've never gone camping in your life. You have these conversations on your back porch at like uh, late in the night when you're hanging out with a group and everyone kind of goes home but there's three or four of you still just sitting around talking. And all of a sudden that, that conversation just switches gears and, and it changes direction. You start to ask a whole heap of questions like this. Like, like what is my purpose? Why am I here? You know, where am I going in life? You know, what, what do I want my life to look like? And you start sharing some of your, your biggest hopes, your dreams. Some of, some of the things that you never shared with anyone and you kind of, you are partaken in these campfire conversations throughout your life at some point we all have. And this series is really about those campfire conversations. In fact, the title of this series is Making Sense of God. And the subtitle is An Invitation to Be Skeptical. Because for so many of us, when we come to these big questions of life, when we have these campfire conversations, we actually come to them not as experts, we come to them as people who are kind of skeptical, like, well, I'm not sure what I believe about this. I know I want to believe something about this. I know, I know I think my life has a greater purpose. 
I know I, I know I want to have fulfillment in life. I know I want to know why I'm here and where I'm going and all that stuff, but, but I'm open. I'm open and I'm not sure. And so for some of you here tonight, you are like that when it comes to God. You know, this is your first time either to church, your first time back to church in a long time, and you're thinking to yourself, well, well maybe there's a bigger power in the universe, but, but I'm not sure what it is, and I'd like to find out, and I'd like to discover a little bit about that, but the problem is every time I go to church, they tell me what to believe. And they tell me that I have to fit a certain mold and, and think a certain way, and I want to let you know that this series is not about that. In fact, our aim with this series is really just to help you take a step forward in your faith journey and take a step forward in making sense of God and, and who God is. In fact, uh, the reason that we're doing this series is simply this, because we believe that making sense of God will help you make the best sense of your life. If you're even curious, or if you even have an inkling that maybe there's something more out there, that there's something beyond the universe, and doesn't it make sense, if, if you can make sense of that, of God, or whatever it is you want to insert in that gap, that it will help you make better sense of your life. And that's our aim throughout this series, and I'll, I'll show you where we're going, and then we'll jump into where we're kind of launching off tonight, but for the next four weeks, you're going to kind of be stuck with me if I didn't introduce myself. My name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond, and for the next four weeks, next week, we're going to look at freedom. You know, how do we make sense of, a, of God? Because doesn't God kind of want to take away my freedoms and not let me, uh, not actually let me live in freedom? You know, isn't it really restrictive? We're going to talk about that next week. Part three, that's a big one. Uh, we're going to talk about this idea that if God is all loving, if he's all good, if all this stuff, why suffering? How do I make sense of that? And then in part four, we're going to look at this idea of doubt. We're going to wrestle with this question, you know, because I think there's a lot of Christians who are like, well, if, if, I, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I can't ask questions. I can't have doubts. I can't kind of figure it out on my own. And maybe for some of you, the reason that you're not a follower of Jesus is because you're like, well, I feel like I have to have all the answers to all the questions in order to follow Jesus. And I don't have all the answers to all the questions because I'm a normal human being like the rest of us. And so I don't really want, know if I want to classify myself as a follower of Jesus. And so in part four, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But tonight, tonight we're going to launch this series by asking a question that all of us have asked at some point in our life. And if you haven't asked it yet, you will. And the question is this. What's it all for? Maybe you haven't asked it that exact way, but you've asked it in a similar way. Maybe you've asked it this, what's the meaning of life? Like, why do I wake up in the morning? Like, why go to uni? Why, why do I have that? Like, I know everyone has boyfriends and girlfriends and gets married and does all that stuff, but, but why? Like, why does everyone just want to go to uni and get a job or get a trade and get a job? Like, why is that a thing? Like, like what, what's it all for? What is, what is the meaning of life? And what's often really, really challenging is that if you've ever asked this question or you've ever had someone ask you that question, oftentimes they feel like, you know what, I really shouldn't even be answering this question because I've got a lot of good stuff going on in my life. Some people, you know, sort of say, uh, when, they, when I've had conversations and they say, you know what, I really am wrestling with this idea of meaning because I just... I just don't feel like I have it, but I've got so much good stuff in my life. Like, I've got, a, I've got great relationships. Like, I'm studying towards a great degree, or I've got a great job, or, you know, I've got a house, I've got a car, I've, you know, I've got, everything's going so well in my life, but it just kind of feels empty a little bit. And really what they're saying is, they're saying, I'm not sure what all the activity is for. 
There's a lot of activity in my life. I wake up and I, I go to, you know, I go to bed and I, to be honest, I don't even know what happens in the 12 or 14 hours in between. Like, it's just all a blur. Like, I know there's a lot of activity going, but I'm just not sure what it's all for. And if I could make sense of that, then maybe I could make a little bit better sense of my life. And tonight I want to introduce you to a guy called Solomon. Solomon's a really interesting guy. Uh, Solomon, Solomon lived about 3,000 years ago. So 3,000 years ago Solomon lived, and he was a big deal for his time uh, 3,000 years ago. He was the king of a nation called Israel. And Solomon was incredibly wise. In fact, he was so wise that kings and queens from neighboring regions did something that no one did in that day and age. They observed what Solomon was doing, and then they went and, and sat at his feet and said, Solomon, we've got a, we've got a question. We've got some issues in our nation. We've got some uh, political unrest. We've got some financial issues. We've got some strategic issues. We're not sure, sure how to you know, build infrastructure in our nation. Would you help us? And Solomon would help all these kings and queens. In fact, on top of that, he was just kind of, he was a real entrepreneurial sort of person. He amassed a huge net worth. In fact, uh, his net worth today would be around $600 million. Solomon had everything that he could possibly want, but, but he kind of was still wanting more. And so he set out with his considerable knowledge and his, his wisdom and his resources to answer this question, you know, well, what's, it, what's all the activity for? And he wrote about it. You can actually read his journey. We don't have time to go over it all tonight. I'm just going to give you the executive summary of this uh, journey. But, but uh, what really happened, uh, Solomon wrote this piece of ancient, ancient literature called Ecclesiastes, where he details this journey. And Solomon, in order to kind of find meaning, he goes to, uh, uh, about it in searching for it in four ways. This is how four ways Solomon tried to answer the question, what's it all for? The first way was pleasure. Now he hired the Learjet, and he took his crew to Coachella, and they hung out, and then they did Europe and everything as well, and then they came home, and, and they did that for a whole lot of time. You know, he bought, he bought the most expensive Hennessy, he bought the most expensive vodka, he parted it up. And he still was kind of like, well, that, that, you know, I'm not sure about that. And so then he went to another option, he went stuff. Okay, and Solomon started to build homes. Except he's a king, so he built palaces. You know, he built these huge, expansive palaces, and he, he built vineyards, and he built reservoirs and dams. And he uh, started, you know, organizations, and he employed people to do stuff for him and to manage his palaces and to manage his vineyards. And then his third option, he started pursuing knowledge. He thought, well, maybe I can intellectually figure it out. Maybe if I read enough of the ancient philosophers, Maybe if I talk to enough people, I'll be able to absorb enough knowledge that I'll be able to finally figure out what it's all for. And then the fourth area he pursued was work. Kind of, he, he's like, well, maybe I'll set some goals. Maybe I'll set some, uh, some plans to be able to make those goals. I'm going to pursue them with, with everything I've got. And Solomon pursued them. You know, he built Israel uh, almost to the height of its power. He was an incredible leader. He worked so, so hard. And this is what Solomon concluded after spending a decent chunk of his life trying to figure out what it's all for. This is what he concluded uh, right in the start of this letter, uh, of this, uh, his writing. He says this, I observe everything going on under the sun. In other words, uh, everything that there is in this life, I took some time, I looked at it, I saw it, and I tried to find purpose in it. And this is what I concluded. You ready? And really, it is all meaningless. Aren't you glad you came tonight? It's all meaningless, like chasing the wind. 
This is, this is the dude who had more money than, any, than all of us combined, had more time on his hands than all of us combined, all wisdom, all, all, more wisdom than all of us combined, and he concluded after searching for this that it's all meaningless. Really what he was saying is that searching for something more just left him wanting more. He, he thought in his mind, and maybe you've thought it too, if I, if I could just get that dream job, if I could just get that dream guy, that dream girl, if I, could, if I could just get to this figure in my annual income, if I could just get to this point in my life, then, then, then that's the, that'll be the more done. But Solomon had more to begin with than any of us, and he achieved more and reached more than so many people ever did. And he said that there was always a point where the shininess of what he was chasing wore off. And ultimately, it left him wanting more. And so the question really for us to answer tonight is, is, is how can we find meaning that doesn't leave us searching for more? How is it that we can go about our life and live our life in such a way that we can find meaning that doesn't ultimately leave us searching for more, that its shininess never wears off? And Solomon didn't have the benefit of meeting Jesus. And before you're kind of like, oh, of course, this is where we get to the Jesus. I knew you were going to sub Jesus in there somewhere, and like the answer is always Jesus. I don't, want to, I don't want to share with you tonight what Jesus says. I don't want to share with you tonight what the Bible says. In fact, I want to share with you what Jesus' best friend John said. It might be interesting to you to know that Jesus actually had a best friend. So Jesus had kind of like a group of 12 boys. Um, some of you might know them like from their formal name, like the 12 disciples. We just kind of call them the Dirty Dozen, because um, they were the biggest bunch of ragtag people that you could throw together. And so they had these uh, 12 disciples, or uh, the 30 dozen, and then within those 12, there was kind of three that he was really, really tight with, and then from those three, there was one with his best friend called John. And John's this really interesting character because 11 of the 12 of the dirty dozen actually went to their death because they believed that Jesus was the hope of the world. But John didn't. In fact, John actually got exiled by the Roman Emperor Domitian. And he got exiled and shunned away from the community to this little rocky outcrop of an island called Patmos that's in the Aegean Sea. You can go and visit it today. And so John went from living this life as his church leader in Jerusalem, surrounded by thousands of people, sharing the hope, sharing the love of Jesus, and then all of a sudden he's exiled overnight to this little tiny island called Patmos. And John finds himself sitting around fire. And John finds himself thinking about his encounters and his interactions with Jesus. And he thinks, I might never get a chance to get off this island. So he begins to write. And he begins to write down the interactions that he had with Jesus and what he experienced. And the things that he saw and the things that he heard. And at the very start of John's biographical account of Jesus' life, he answers this very question. He answers this question of how can we find meaning that doesn't leave us searching for more. So this is, what, this is how John answered that question. He starts off with this, he says, in the beginning, and John doesn't mean like the beginning, the big bang beginning, John means like before the beginning. So the beginning before the beginning, before space, before time, before matter, before anything that we see around us existed, in the beginning beginning, the word, which is this fancy Greek word for Jesus, the word Jesus already existed. And he kind of goes on a little bit, he says, the word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, Jesus wasn't like 
God 2.0. He wasn't like separate from God. He wasn't like God's right hand man. Like Jesus and God were the same thing. Jesus was God in a bod. When Jesus entered into history, it was God in a bod entering into history. Thanks for laughing. I appreciate that. Uh, and then, because that's kind of like confusing to wrap our head around, John kind of knows that, so he goes, here's just my summary of that. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. All on the same page. Sweet. Thanks, John. And then he goes on, he said, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Now, I understand that it's like Sunday night, and so that kind of sentence is like, what? He created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Essentially, what John is saying is that Jesus had a hand in the creation of everything that we see around us. And what he wants people to understand is that if Jesus had a hand in the creation of everything around us, then it only makes sense to understand your life in relation to the Creator. If everything around you has been created, it doesn't make sense to attempt to try and find your meaning in something that is just like you, created. But it makes sense to begin to try and understand your life in the sense of the Creator. Whether you say that to God, whether you say that to Jesus, or whether you just say that to some higher power, just generally it only makes sense to understand your life in relationship to that. And then he, he goes on. He says, The word as Jesus gave life to everything that was created. Awesome. He's just kind of re- reminding us of what he said before. But then he says this weird kind of thing. He says, And his life, this is Jesus' life, brought light to everyone. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of almost doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, hang on, John. You're telling me that Jesus gave life to everything. And when he writes life there, he just doesn't mean like biological life. He means like physical life, emotional life, spiritual life, relational life. Essentially what John's saying here is Jesus gave uh, humanity life and life in the fullest possible sense of the word. Not a half-life, life the way that it could be lived and experienced fully. And then he says this, you know, his life brought life to everyone. Why? If he, if he already gave us life, then why, why, did he, why did he have to step into history and shine a light on that? And the reason is this kind of like what's implied here is this word that has been misused and abused in church, churches across the world is this word called sin. And sin is really, all it is is simply this. John would define it as this, to not live life in its fullest sense. Simply, sin is simply to not live life in its fullest sense. In other words, if there is a God that created you, and you decide, you know what, actually God, I appreciate that, that you know, life could be lived in its fullest sense, but I think I've got control of this. I think I'm going to just try it my own way and see what happens. John would say, well then, you're not experiencing life in its fullest sense. So why would you not want to? And so John says that... that at, you know, throughout time, and we've experienced this ourselves, you know, maybe your parents have given you advice, and you're like, thanks, mum, thanks, dad, but I got this one. And then, like, six months later or a year later, you, you know, you, you're like, hey, uh, remember that thing you told me to do, like, two years ago? Well, I'm doing it now. And they're like, yeah, well, I told you. Like, we, we saw that coming. That's essentially kind of what John is saying. He's saying, why don't you get on the front foot and experience life to the fullest right from the beginning? But all of us have this natural tendency to say, no, we'll do it our way. We'll do it our, way, our own way. And so Jesus enters into history, not to judge, not to condemn, not to point fingers, but to shine a light on how we can experience the fullness of life. 
really what kind of John is, is essentially trying to get at when he's writing this. He's saying this, he's saying, you don't find meaning in Christianity. Jesus is not some kind of like special like guru idol that you rub and you get three magic wishes. Jesus is, is not that job or not that relationship where all of a sudden it's like, I, this is my dream job. My life is fulfilled because I have this job. My life all of a sudden has meaning because I have this relationship now. John's saying, no, 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 that's not what Christianity is. In fact, at the center of Christianity and at the center of Jesus, what you find is that meaning actually came into the world to find you. That meaning came into the world to say, hey, and shine a light on how you could live your life to the fullest. And then he goes on. He says, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. And the reason why he writes this is because he's remembering back to the times he actually was walking beside Jesus. See, John actually had a, a period of his life where he actually got to see the light shining. He actually got to see Jesus interact with people. And he got to see how their lives were changed when they interacted and began to live life to the fullest. John says, hey, myself, I actually got to live life and experience life to the fullest when I was walking with Jesus. But then, when Jesus was about 33, he was arrested and hung after he was brutally tortured on a cross to die. And John says, I was there that day. I saw Jesus' mother weeping. And I saw him take his last breath. And in that moment, it was like hope was extinguished. This person who had told us to pray to him, to follow him, that life would be found in him, all of a sudden didn't exist anymore. But then three days later, word started to spread that this tomb was empty. And people started to say, hey, I've actually seen Jesus. And eventually John saw Jesus and ate with Jesus and had conversations with Jesus. So then John says that the darkness can never extinguish it. Not because it's, he's trying to be motivational, he's trying to be inspirational, but what he's saying is, I've seen the darkness cry. And I've seen the one darkness that no one can, has ever escaped in earth, death, trying to take Jesus, and it looked like that light was extinguished for a period of time. But then three days later, that light erupted again. And what John is saying on this island in Patmos, reflecting on his time with Jesus, is if I'm going to place my meaning in anything, if I'm going to, if I'm going to discover meaning in life in any way, I'm, I want to discover it in something that can overcome the darkest darkness that we'll ever experience in this life. And maybe some of you are sitting here tonight and you're like, well, that's great, Chris, but that was John on an island 2,000 years ago. How does that apply to me? What about my life today? Because I am not John, and I'm not even really sure about this whole Jesus thing. And I totally get that. In fact, that's why we started this place, for people who are not sure about this whole Jesus thing. And so every single week we, we do this thing, it's kind of like the application point of everything we've talked about, because knowledge is great. But it's only applied knowledge that changes your life. And so we really want to help you uh, make your life better and make the lives of the people around you better. And so this week we, we, we do that in what's called a Four Monday. And this week I've kind of broken it into two groups for Four Mondays. There are, for those of you who are not sure about God, who push back against the whole idea of God, who you know kind of resent even being here, someone just came along because you heard there was the green truck and you're like, that's, that's what I need to get on on a Sunday night. I've got something for you this week. 
And then also for those of you who are like, well, I'm a little bit curious about this John guy. Maybe you would say you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe some of you are like, no, I'm definitely not there, but I'm kind of curious. I've got something for you too. But, but first, for those of you who are not sure, I just want you to ask this question. It's a really easy question. I just want you to ask, what is the source of your meaning? When it comes to life, what is the source of your meaning? If you want to get a really scary answer to this question, don't answer it yourself. Go to your boyfriend or your girlfriend and your mom and your dad and your closest friends, your five closest friends, and ask them this question. Say, hey, in light of what I talk about, in light of where I spend my time, where I spend my money, the way I prioritize uh, my time, what do you think? When you look in on my life, what do you think is the source of meaning for my life? And then, once you've taken the time to figure it out, I'm, I'm going to put a second question up. And I, I know some of you are probably going to like push that to the side, but that's okay. I'll just let you know beforehand. I want you to ask this question. Is your source of life enough to sustain you through life? In other words, if that, if that source was removed, would it be enough to sustain you? If that shininess was taken away, would it be enough to sustain you? And I know some of you, like, honestly, I'm probably not going to answer this, uh, ask the second part of this question, and I totally get that. Um, but what, the only reason I'm uh, putting this up here is because what I want you to do is I want you to just pull out your phone and write it down. Do me a favor, write it down, and if you don't want to ask this question, just store it away. And the reason I want you to store it away is because the reason you won't answer it at the moment is because you're like, well, there will never be a time in my life where that rela this relationship won't be as good as it is right now. There will never be a time in my life where this job isn't as good or I don't have this title or my family isn't as good as it is. There will never be a time in my life where I'm not friends with the same people that I'm friends with right now. And I hope that never happens. I hope there's not a time in your life where those things aren't part of it anymore. But the reason I want you to store this away is because there will come a time when the shininess wears off. When that relationship and that job and that title isn't as new as it once was. And just like Solomon, you'll go searching for more. But before you start searching for more, why don't you pull out your phone and then you'll be able to ask this question. Now, is the source of my life enough to sustain me through life? And then I hope that you'll begin to maybe walk towards a source that will actually sustain you through your life. For those of you who are on the other end, for those of you who are like curious and kind of like, mate, I'm curious about this or I'm a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to do this week. I just want you to read John's account of Jesus' life. If you're curious about the whole Jesus thing and about how making sense of God can help you make sense of life, what better perspective than to see it through the eyes and through the ears of someone who spent time with Jesus? So this week, John's account of Jesus' life. And in case you're like, well, I don't really have a Bible, I don't really know where to start, that's okay, we've got you covered. You can go onto the App Store or the Google Play and you can download the new version, it's this looking app, and you can just download that straight to your phone, then right in there you can click on John and you can just read John. Okay? John wrote some other books, he wasn't super creative and he named them like 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Just go to the one that has no numbers in front of it. And, uh, and just another trap for young players, there'll be a translation part at the top. Uh, make sure it's in English, first of all. But then select the NLT translation. Because the default setting, for whatever reason, is like in ye old English, and no one understands that anymore. So, NLT, and you can check that out. And in case you're sitting there and you're like, I'm not really a reader, Chris, I get that. 
but these guys do too, and there's an audio. You can listen to that while you're in the car, on the way to work, when you're at the gym, on the run, and you can actually listen to John's writings that he wrote on the island of Patmos all those thousands of years ago. And my hope, my hope, I'll be honest for you, as for those of you who, who are curious and begin to read John's account, my hope is that something inside of you would begin to shift. And that you would begin to discover as you read and experience Jesus through the eyes and the ears of someone who did life with him, that you would begin to discover what we believe, that meaning came into the world to find you. That you don't have to go searching in the world to try and find your meaning, but you can actually discover that meaning came into the world first to find you. Last thing and then I'll get out of here, I promise. And it's this. I know that there are some of you who are probably a little frustrated at me tonight because you came here and you're like, well, we're talking about meaning, but you didn't really give me a good argument for why I should place my life, for why I should, you know, find my meaning in Jesus or discover that. And I could have done that. There are some incredible philosophers and thinkers that have great arguments. You can go and read them up. You can go and look at all the logic behind it. That's fine. You can go and do that. The reason I didn't do that is because logic doesn't change lives relationships do. Your lives are most impacted and most changed by the people that you have relationships with. And what if, what if God didn't give us a watertight argument, but a watertight person to help us make sense of God? Because the truth is, while throughout history, the church has been resistible, Jesus, for the most part, has always been irresistible. People always say, you know, I really don't like Christians, but that Jesus guy's all right. In fact, Christians would be better if they were more like Jesus. People have always leaned in towards Jesus. In fact, even when Jesus walked the earth, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus, and he liked them back. And what if the reason we, I didn't give you an argument tonight is because that God actually gave you a person that helped you make the most sense of so this week, I challenge and encourage you to just listen to what John has to say. You won't regret it. And maybe at the end of it, you'll be able to make better sense of God and make better sense. I'd love to pray for us all right now. Jesus, these are some big questions and these are some challenging questions that, that we come to. And, and often they're questions that, that we just sweep under the rug. But Lord, we want, to, we want to bring these questions to the, uh, to the light. Whether it's through the hustle and bustle and the busyness of our calendars, it can be challenging to sit down and reflect and really ask, you know, where is the meaning found? Where is, where is freedom? What, what, what's going on with all the suffering in the world? So Lord, I pray that over the next couple of weeks that, that we would, as we spend some time unpacking and answering these questions, that people would be able to take a step forward in their faith journey, wherever they may be. And then in doing so, they would begin to make more sense of you. The people tonight would begin to, to really wrestle with where is the source of meaning? And if the source of their meaning is not going to sustain them through life, then, then where is it that they can place their meaning in? Lord, I, I pray that they would begin to explore John's account. They would be able to, they would discover the meaning Jesus came into the world, not to judge them, but to find them and to allow them to live life.